that today is technically, when you look at the church calendar of you know, all the churches in the world, uh, today technically is the first day of Advent. And I just wanna clear that up so you didn't get any arguments with anybody at work or at school. Um, you know, today is, Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, but since Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, we wanted to get all four Sundays in, and so we started early. And so if, you know, if you're having lunch with a coworker or a classmate, and they say, uh, hey, we started Advent at our church, you know, this week, and you say, oh, well, you guys are behind, we started two weeks ago. Now, technically, they're right, Okay, but because, of, because so many of you decorated your Christmas trees on like November 2nd, uh, we thought we'd just go ahead and start Advent early, okay? We wanted to get all four Sundays in, so that, that's it. Didn't want anybody to be confused out there. <laughs> so, here we go. Last week, um, we looked at the uh, uh, Matthew's genealogy uh, of Jesus, and what we discovered was, um, and it's almost like Matthew went out of his way to include people in the genealogy of Jesus who had a past. It's almost like he went out of his way to include people that you and I would not want to include in the family photo for the Christmas card, right? It's almost like he went out of his way to include people who had no business of being in the family tree of Jesus. And the reason why Matthew did this is because he wanted to show us that the good news of the Christmas story is that it doesn't matter, you know, who you are or who you're not or, you know, what you've done or what you haven't done, but that God's grace is extended to anyone who would put their faith and their hope in Christ Jesus alone, amen? Okay, so, um, so that's the good news of the Christmas story. And, and, and the story of Christmas is not about our goodness, for goodness sake, thank God, but the story of Christmas and the good news of Christmas is that it is about the goodness of God displayed through his grace and his love for us, cue the amen, you know, to that. So, uh, so that's what the story of Christmas is about. And today we're gonna talk about a different element of Christmas, kind of an unusual element of Christmas. Um, but today we're gonna look at the courage of Christmas. And, and, and that it really takes courage for you and I to embrace the story of Christmas and embrace the person of Jesus in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter one this morning. Matthew chapter one, if you didn't bring your Bibles, we're gonna put it up on the screen for you. But Matthew chapter one, as we talk about um, the courage of Christmas. Now, now Mary, she, uh, uh, she received Jesus into her life in a very unique way, obviously, in, in a way that no one has ever or will ever receive Jesus. Um, but, but Joseph, on the other hand, is, received Jesus in a way that I think it's a little bit easier to identify uh, with him. And so that's who we're gonna talk about this morning. So verse 18, Matthew chapter one, says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. That his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, 
Now, Joseph, uh, he's engaged to Mary. And in, in, in this day and time, they called it betrothed, but legally they were, you know, they were together legally. And, and Joseph finds out that, that Mary is, is pregnant, okay? Um, but, the, but the baby isn't his, okay? Now, now that, that, that's a difficult spot to be in. I mean, let's just be real, okay? Uh, I mean, you know, Mary comes to you and she says, hey, honey, uh, I, I've got some good news and I got some bad news. Uh, the, the bad news uh, is that I'm pregnant. Uh, the good news is it's God's, you know? I mean, I mean, just think about that, guys. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, that's a difficult spot for, for anybody uh, to be in. And, and Joseph, uh, what we find out here is he's about to call off the engagement, which was essentially a divorce in this culture. Look at verse 19. As because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So, so Joseph wasn't going to publicly disgrace her, okay? He wasn't gonna, you know, post about it on Instagram. Uh, he wasn't gonna update his relationship status on Facebook. He wasn't gonna tweet about it. Wasn't gonna do some kind of TikTok dance announcing it. Uh, I mean, he, he, he was gonna keep this on the down low. That uh, he, because not only was Joseph, that we read that he was a righteous and just man, but we also know just through this story is that he was also a kind and compassionate man. And besides, he knows that Mary's gonna be humiliated and disgraced publicly eventually, kind of once word gets out and she starts showing that she's pregnant. So, so why should he add to her public shame? Okay, is basically what's going on here. Verse 20 says, but after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So the angel comes to Joseph and he says, Joseph, your, your, your problem is not that you're trying to do the right thing, okay? Your problem, Joseph, is that you're a coward, your problem, Joseph, is that you're afraid. Your problem, Joseph, is that you're, you're lacking courage to follow through with what the Lord has called to you to do. Now, now, now here's the point, and here's what we're gonna focus in on today. Um, to embrace Jesus Christ in our lives, uh, to follow Jesus Christ in our lives, to, to walk out what the Lord calls us to do in our lives, it takes Courage, and, and if you and I are going to have courage, and let's, let's just have a real conversation about it, if you and I are going to have courage, we, we have to accept three things. Let me just give them to you up front, and then we'll unpack them as we go along. So if we're going to have courage to really embrace Jesus Christ in our lives, we, we're, we're going to have to accept the fact that the world is going to criticize us. It, it just is. The world's going to criticize us. Uh, number two, uh, that we, we're, we're going to have to surrender our authority uh, and that can be scary. And, and, and number three, we're gonna have to admit that we're sinners and nobody likes to do that. So, so that's, that's where we're going. We, the world's gonna criticize us. We're gonna have to surrender our authority and we have to admit that we're sinners. So let's talk about the world's criticism, okay? The world's gonna criticize us. So Joseph thinks that he's doing the right thing, okay? And, uh, but he's really scared of the criticism. 
I mean, he's scared of the criticisms that's gonna come his way from his family or, 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 or his friends or his neighbors or coworkers that the criticism that, that's gonna be you know, thrown and heaped on him. I mean, we, we know Mary is gonna be disgraced, okay, anyway. He's just trying to keep things from blowing back on him. Now, even if he marries Mary immediately, people aren't stupid, okay? They're gonna figure it out, you know? It's gonna be like, um, uh, honey, uh, when did we go to Mary and Joseph's wedding? Was that, was that back in April? Okay, April, May, June, October, November. Oh, oh, okay. That, this kind of makes sense of why the you know, rushed uh, announcements and why we had to get you know, to the wedding. Uh, and, and, and besides, you know, when, when the story gets out and Mary is, you know, going around saying, well, the, you know, the, the child's not Joseph's, the child is God, nobody's buying that story, okay? Right? I mean, let's just be real. I mean, nobody's buying, nobody's buying that story today. Nobody's buying that story back then. And in that time, in that culture, in that tradition, Joseph knew that Mary's life was basically ruined. He knew that she was gonna be cut off from her family. He knew that she was gonna be socially marginalized. He knew that she would be socially disgraced. And and, and in some cases, uh, according to Jewish law, she could even be executed. She could be stoned to death. And Joseph knows that if he marries her, that all this disgrace and criticism that's gonna be heaped on Mary is gonna now be heaped on him. And the only way for him to really clear his name is to divorce her, to show everyone that, that, that Mary was unfaithful to him. And, 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 but if he marries her, then everybody it will, it will think and assume that they were unfaithful to God together. So basically, Joseph is really saying, I don't wanna bring this child into my life because I'm scared of the criticism and I'm scared that this child is gonna ruin everything. Now, let me just pause for a moment. This isn't in the notes. But just imagine how scared these two are. And this is why we as a church are so committed to ministries like Embrace Grace and Embrace Lives. This is why, as a church, we want to rally around young women who find themselves in an unexpected pregnancy and think that perhaps maybe life as they know it is ruined or feel the shame that may come with that. And we wanna be a church that would come around them and and point them to the hope and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That we wanna be a church that would lock arms financially and be there to help support. And so ladies, I know here in a couple of weeks, you have a Christmas party. And there's, there's some, there's some uh, Christmas gifts for these, for these women and, and their children. And we're gonna do a Christmas party with them. And it's a big ladies event. And, and you have an opportunity to pick up one of those. But listen, listen, listen. It is so much more than just a Christmas party for us. It is an opportunity for you ladies to step in and provide not just a gift, but provide hope and love and encouragement and point them to the grace and love of Jesus Christ. 
That's why we're doing this. And yes, it's a Christmas party, but it's so much more than that. Now, I really expected an amen at that point, okay? No, no, don't give it to me now, okay? I don't want your pity, amen, okay? I mean, it's kind of like when Sarah says, hey, you never bring me flowers, and I bring her flowers, and she says, oh, these don't count. You know, like, clearly there's a waiting period, you know, before it really kind of becomes, it counts. And so there's a waiting period of about three minutes, okay, for a preacher until you get your next amen in. So just want to warn you there. Okay, here we go. Let's get back. That, that, was, that was free of charge. So, so Joseph, he, he, he's like, I don't want to bring this child into my life because I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm worried about the criticism. I'm worried that my life's not going to turn out the way I want it to turn out. But, but, but think about this, and you know this to be true, but, but this is true for every Christian today, that, that, we, that if we as an individual stand up and unapologetically say, I am a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord, and through him and through him only do I have forgiveness of sin and eternal life. You and I both know there's gonna be some people that criticize us, right? There's gonna be, there's gonna be some coworkers. There's gonna be some classmates. There's gonna be some people who, who are gonna think, who do you think you are? You, you, that's the problem with you Christians. You are so narrow-minded. You are so arrogant. I mean, are, are, are you really saying that if I don't believe the same thing that you do about Jesus, that I, I don't have access to heaven? And that's when you, know, you, 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 you take a, you know, a deep breath and you say, well, I don't say that. But the Bible says that. That Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, there's, I mean some, of you, some of us, we're gonna gather with our families for Christmas, and there's gonna be somebody in the family who says, you're not still doing that Jesus thing, are you? You're not still one of those church holy rollers, are you? I mean, you gave us the big sermon last year about the difference that Jesus made. You're not still doing that, are you? There's going to there's gonna be friends of ours that are going to say, hey, you know, it, it, it's not a big deal. Let's just do this. And, and you're going to be like, I, it's a big deal to me because it goes against what the Bible says. I mean, it's, it's, it's the end of the year. And for some of us, that we, we, have, uh, we have sales goals. And, and there's going to be some, some deals on the table. And, and your team's going to say, listen, you keep your mouth shut in this meeting, pal. We're not doing this Jesus thing again, okay? We're not gonna do full disclosures because you know if you do full disclosure on the deal, the deal's going south and we need this deal at the end of the year. So you, you, in fact, you don't even come in that day. We don't want you anywhere around. And, you know, as, a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, it takes courage to say, I don't do business that way, right? I mean, the criticism is real. And no matter what we say or what we do, I mean, there's going to be certain people in our lives that are going to say, give me a break. How arrogant can you be? But when we put our faith in Jesus, we need to accept that some degree that 
there will be some people who criticize us. And that criticism may come from our family, our coworkers, our classmates, our parents, our friends, our boss, our neighbors, whoever. But there, is, but there will always be a possibility when we stand up and we proclaim our allegiance to Jesus that we will be cut out or cut loose or left out or rejected because of our faith. And if that makes you nervous, or if that makes you scared, look at Mary and Joseph. They're two impoverished teenagers, and yet they received Jesus into their lives, and they took on the criticism with such grace. It didn't make it any easier because their names are in the Bible, but they did it with grace and courage. The world's gonna criticize us. Secondly, um, that we have to surrender our authority. We have to surrender our authority. Look at verse, uh, verse 21 through 25. <coughs> and she, the angel says, and she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, watch, listen, don't miss this. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Let's not rush over that to get to the part with the three wise men coming in and giving the gifts. Joseph did what the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. <coughs> now, the angel says, don't you name him. Don't you name him. Now, now, parents, they had the right to name their children, right? But, but after reading the genealogy last week, it's clear that some of those naming rights need to be revoked. I mean, those were some terrible, terrible names. But, but naming was a sign of authority, that you only had the right to name something if you had authority over something. And the angel says, Joseph, you can't name this son, this child of yours, because he's not under your authority, but hello, you're under his authority. Now, people ask, well, you know, if I become a Christian, do I have to stop doing this? Do I have to stop doing that? Do I have to start? You know, what, what is it that I have to do? But here's the deal. The only thing that Jesus asks of us is to place our faith in him and to place our lives under his authority. Now, this is a process. And it takes years, but, but, but it means that we... We, we, we come to his word and we say, okay, this is now the absolute truth for my life. This is now the highest authority in my life. And, and this word says that, God, your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And what that means is that, that our opinions and our feelings are under are subjected under the authority of the word. 
It, it means that we're gonna read, when we're reading the Bible, when we're embracing the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're gonna read something that maybe we don't agree with. Maybe we don't like. Maybe that makes us feel bad. Maybe we think it's out of date. But in that moment, we say, okay, okay, I'm not gonna inject my opinion over your truth, but I'm gonna submit and surrender my opinion under your truth. And God, can we have a conversation about this? And this may take days, it may take weeks, it may take months, it may take years, but I'm gonna keep digging in your word and I'm gonna keep praying and we're gonna keep talking about this, not so that I can change your mind because your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways are higher than my ways, but so that you can change mine because my heart and my mind is surrendered to you. Thank you. That's hard. That's difficult. But if we're really gonna embrace Jesus, we have to surrender our right to be in control of our lives. And that takes courage. Because if you're, a, if you're a control freak like me, I feel like I can control outcomes. But really, I can't. Because his thoughts and his ways are higher than my thoughts and my ways. And third, we have to admit that we are sinners. See, the angel says that Jesus will come and we will save people from their sins. You see, we, we, we cannot save ourselves. We cannot rescue ourselves. We cannot live up to God's holy standard. And as a result, we have to admit, hey, I'm a sinner. I can't do this on my own performance. And so do you and I have the courage to admit that we need to be saved, that we need to be rescued? Like if we were you know, out, out, out in the deep end of the pool or we're out in, in, in the ocean and we get in trouble and you know, we feel like we're sinking and we're drowning, or, uh, you know, are, are, are we gonna say, no, you know, just cross our arms, no, I'm not, I'm, I don't think I need to be saved. I'm, I'm not gonna call out, I'm not gonna ask to be rescued. Or are we gonna say at the top of our lungs, help, save me, right? And, and are, are we, no, no, not doing that, not, no. It takes courage, really, to say, help, Jesus, save me, rescue me, I'm a sinner, I can't do it on my own. That takes courage, but the minute we do that, Jesus enters our lives, and he saves us, and he redeems us, and he makes us whole. See, all the gospel requires of us is repentance and faith, that's it. And, and people say, well, 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 wait a minute, what, what about obedience? Well, if obedience was a requirement of the gospel, well, then we would all be doomed because not one of us could live up to this. But you know what the gospel produces in us when you and I embrace consistently and daily the gospel and place ourselves under his authority? What it produces is obedience. The gospel produces Joyful obedience. And the more we embrace the gospel, the more we submit and yield to and surrender to his authority, the more obedient we will become. We just have to admit that we need help and that we're sinners. And the band's gonna come. And as they do, 
let me just ask it. The question needs to be asked, where do we get the courage to live out these three realities? Because if this was the end of the sermon, then it would be very unloving of me to send us all out saying, good luck. So where do we get the courage to live out these three realities? I point us to John chapter three, verse 16 and 17. It says, for God so loved the world. That's where we get the courage to stand up against criticism. That's where we get the courage to surrender our lives. That's where we get the courage to admit that we're sinners. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. See, God loves you so much. He wanted to save you so bad that he sent his son to live the life that we can't live and die the death that you and I deserve on the cross. And when Joseph woke up from that dream, he realized that Mary had ultimately blown up her life to save him, to be a participant in in the Lord saving him. That when Joseph woke up from that dream, he realized how much God loved him because of the lengths that God has gone through in order to save him. So one last thought. I close with this. Have you ever really thought just how scared Mary and Joseph were? Here we have two poor, very poor teenagers, unwed and now pregnant and a part of something that everybody thinks is crazy. How scared do you think they were? Because by the world's standard, that's a pretty scary, impossible position to be in. Now that may not be where you're at, but your impossible position may be something with your health. Maybe maybe a doctor's report. Maybe your scary, impossible position is something financial, something's just blown up this, this year. Maybe your scary, impossible position is is unemployment. Maybe your scary, impossible position is, is, is relational. Maybe your scary, impossible position is you've just been rejected and betrayed by your friends or you've been shoved down at the office or whatever. What is your scary, impossible position? Because what God wants you to know right now in that all that fear and all that uncertainty is that he loves you and he promises 
never to leave you nor forsake you. And that in him, in the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, we have hope and we have love. And even though our circumstances are impossible and painful, we can still have joy. And we can also have peace because of Christ. Christ has come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for your word. Thank you that that you provide a courage to walk through impossible, painful circumstances. And I pray for my friends right now that have to do that this week. They have to walk into a doctor's office. They have to walk into an unemployment office. They have to walk into a job that they don't enjoy. They They have to walk the halls alone. They have to sit another weekend alone. I pray for my friend. I pray that you would break into that loneliness and that fear, that impossibility, and you would do what only you can do. And that you would be their hope and their love and their joy and their peace. You'd give them courage to embrace you. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.